0: Right, we are uh, working through the book of Acts as a church, been doing this for, it feels like a long time now, um, but uh, we're up to chapter 16, uh, we've called this series uh, Neighbourhoods to Nations, just going through the book of Acts, uh, and uh, we've reached a point where uh, we're into Paul's missionary journeys now, which sort of sort of follow a pattern of, uh, of them going out doing miracles, getting into trouble, uh, and, and God rescuing them from that trouble, and uh, repeat, but there's, uh, there's stuff here for us in each of these, uh, each of these accounts, and um, yeah, we're up to chapter 16, so head there with me if you can, and uh, this week we are in Philippi, um, so uh, let me uh, read, I'm going to pick it up from verse 11 of chapter 16. And uh, in this account this week, we're going we're to look at three, uh, Luke, the writer of, of Acts, give us really three case studies. So it's obviously, it uh, gives us the early church, the, the story of the book of Acts, you know, Jesus ascended, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, and now we're into the, the, the story, the account of the early church. And uh, so there's obviously a lot of uh, case studies and stories of, of how the early church was built because um, the early church wasn't built on, uh, you know, Christians kind of... Uh, you know, moving from church to church. It was built from people coming to know, coming to know Jesus, coming to faith, um, and like we've heard about this morning. And so Luke here in this chapter 16 just gives us three, three case studies. Clearly there were many more uh, believers, people coming to faith, but he just gives us three case studies for us to look at in our time this morning. So verse 11. <clears throat> from Troas, we, this is we being uh, Luke and Paul, put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Tythira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Don't, first of all, just don't, your picture there, when you, you, know, you read kind of a, a dealer in purple cloth, you may picture like a uh, you know, haberdashery, kind of a reel of cloth and a, a knife and, and just selling bits. It's not that at all. You think, think of a, uh, uh, the closest I guess we would get to, think of a high-end boutique, Purple, it's the color of royalty, you know, wealth. So think about a high-end boutique uh, several thousand years ago. Uh, this, this woman was clearly a wealthy businesswoman, yeah? Uh, she sold clothes to the rich and to, to royalty and so on. Uh, Let's we'll continue. She was a worshiper of God. It goes on, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, if... Uh, if you're, a, you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and, you know, we can, we can think, oh, we've got to, all the pressure is on us. I've got to, you know, praying for my, my neighbor, my family, my friend to, to come to know faith, you know, and I, uh, all the responsibilities on me to see it happen. And, uh, and yet here it says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. We heard about uh, Amanda and Jill earlier on and, uh, uh, you know, Jill did her part. She, she offered to pray for Amanda. But it, was, it wasn't Jill who opened Amanda's heart. It wasn't Jill who, uh, who kind of did all the, all the heavy lifting there, as it were. She, she played her part, was obedient, prayed for her. But it was God who opened her, Amanda's heart. And so for us, when we, we think about sharing our faith, and we think, how to, oh, it just seems so terrifying. And, and yeah, I know the Bible says, be prepared to give an answer. But I don't always have the right answer. I don't know what the right answer is. Well, it's, the answer is to be obedient. Is to, to give our account, to be a witness, to say what, what God has done in our life but it's the Lord who opens people's hearts. Let's continue. When she, this is Lydia, and the members of her household were baptised, so again, if you're going to miss the point, lots of baptism going on, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. So that's our first case study. Case study number two, verse 16. Once, when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So, owners—clearly, we are not into a good situation here, where there is a female slave owned by uh, by people making money uh, at, at her expense. You know, being exploited, making money for her owners. Um, a better translation actually talks about this, this woman as being um, a, a slave girl. So she was potentially a, a minor, you know, sold by her parents into slavery. Uh, obviously some sort of evil spirit going on. She, I say exploited. Totally, totally wrong. Uh, just awful situation. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, "'These men are servants of the Most High God, "'who are telling you the way to be saved.'" She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul, so moved with compassion, so moved with love, doesn't say that, says Paul finally became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. I love the honesty of, of Scripture. If this was a, an autobiography, you would probably write, you'd be tempted to write, I was so moved with compassion. It might have seemed like I was annoyed and irritated, but it, I was so deeply moved. Um, but it, it's not. Scripture, it just gives us what's and all, doesn't it? It's, it's wonderful. It's just, a, uh, apart, from, apart from Jesus, there's no perfect men and women in the Bible. And sometimes we can, we can read it and we can just feel so far detached from, from the men and women that we read about and think, oh, Paul, you know, he's such a, a superhero and uh, doing all sorts of amazing things, but he got annoyed too. He got irritated too. And I don't know about you, that gives me hope, right? When the, I'm not perfect, I get annoyed, and uh, I'm in good company. Paul, Apostle Paul, he wasn't perfect either. And I think sometimes scripture can feel so far out of touch, think, oh, wow, they're just, they're just so different to me. And, and in some respect, the miracles they see, I think, yeah, okay, that is, that is a bit different, It's quite different to my life. But, but nonetheless, they're human as well. They're human, like you and me as well. Anyway, let's continue. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realised their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Interesting, they, they didn't say the real reason they were uh, annoyed. They didn't say, oh, oh you know, she's no longer able to make money for us. You know, we've been exploiting this girl, and, and now she, she can't make money for us. So they say, oh, no, no they, they've been, these, these men are troublemakers. They've been causing uproar verse 22 the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they'd been severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully no trial but severely beaten with rods and uh, you know these guys had taken a beating and the, the jailer he's uh, he, he's told by the magistrate to guard them carefully So, you know, clearly the the miracles, the reputation of these these men warranted them to be, you know, extra special treatment, as it were, in jail. You know, guard them carefully. And uh, it says in verse 24, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And here comes our third case study. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. The rule here is quite clear. If you're a prisoner and your prisoners escape, you are, uh, you know. you you, you get killed, you get punished. So uh, he would have been executed anyway. So uh, he's kind of thinking, well, you know, avoid all the humiliation and the shame. I will just, uh, uh, yeah, kill myself to avoid that. But in verse 28, Paul shouts, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And uh, I want to just draw a th- two or three points for us in our, in our time here uh, this morning from these, uh, these case studies. And my first point is that they were saved by grace. Verse 31, believe in what he has done for you. Salvation is free. I spoke a lot about this. Uh, well, every week, but but particularly last Sunday. But uh, and you may you may look around this morning, you know across the across the aisles and and uh, and think, oh, the cost of following Jesus is is this what I have to do? Is this what I have to do to to be a believer? Is this what I have to do to be to be saved? And the answer is no. No, it's in response to what He has done for you and me. All of what we've what we've seen and witnessed this morning, it's in response to what. Jesus has done in their lives. When we come here as a, as a church, you may think, well, I don't want to go to church. Is this Is what you have to do? Come to church every Sunday morning? It's in response to what Jesus has done for us. It doesn't, it's not to earn salvation. It's in response to what Jesus has done for us. We, when we heard their, their testimonies, it wasn't... Um, you know, in fact, Morris was at pains to, to 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 say this. You know, it wasn't look look at what I've done, look at look at my abilities, and look look how I've cleaned myself up and pulled myself up by my bootstraps and, and sorted out my life and cleaned it up. It's, no, it's it's what Jesus has done. I've realised I I you know I've come to the end of myself. I'm I'm limited. I need saving. I need rescuing. It's not self-reliance. It's the opposite of self-reliance. It's trusting in Jesus, trusting in the person and work of Jesus. It's not self-reliance. Thinking you're sorted, but neither is it. Oh, I'm beyond help. How could I'm not not worthy of rescue? I look around here and I think, Oh, look at these people. They're all better than I am. they have all got it together. We all need Jesus. In these case studies, we've got, got three very different people, haven't we? We've got the, the uh, uh, Lydia, you know. We've got uh, the kind of the, the rich businesswoman. We have the slave girl, and we've got the Roman guard. But they all needed saving. They all needed saving. They all needed Jesus. They'd all fallen short and, and, and couldn't measure up. They all needed a saviour. And so my second point is the gospel is for anybody. The gospel is for anybody. These people, they couldn't be more be more different. Lydia was uh, Asian. The slave girl was Greek. The jailer was Roman. Lydia was, was well-off, you know, upper class, a business owner. The slave girl, she had, she had nothing. All, all the money that she earned was... Belong to somebody else, belong to her owners, and then we've got the, the Roman guard, kind of you know somewhere in between, between these two people. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm, I'm not the Christian type. Like, you know, look around, I'm, I'm just, I just don't belong here. You know, I'm not the Christian type. I want to tell you this morning, there is no Christian type. This these case studies prove, as an example, there is no Christian type. You, how do you think of three people more, more different? Three people, one, one lady, very successful, one slave with nothing, a Roman guard, sort of a civil servant in, in between. There is no Christian type. And you might look around this morning and your, your view of church and Christians and, uh, and think, you know, well, they're all moral, they're all conservative, they're all rich, they're all poor, they're all sorted, they're all boring, they're all better than me. There is no Christian type, folks. There is No Christian type. None of us are sorted. We've all fallen short and got it wrong and can't measure up. But what unites us, what saves us, isn't what we've done or or haven't done, but it's belief in what Jesus has done at the cross for you and for me. So the gospel is for anybody. It's for anybody. But it can also change anybody. Verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. This is back to the jailer now. They spoke the word of the Lord to the jailer and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. He didn't wash their wounds and set a meal before them as some kind of... uh, uh, you know, to earn salvation, yeah? He did it he, because he was moved with compassion. He, he discovered what, what Jesus had done for him, how much Jesus loved him and would rescue him and save him and died on the cross for him and his family, and he was moved with compassion. This, this tough guy, uh, typically a, a jailer, he would have come out of the Roman army, so this is, a, this is a tough guy we're talking about here, right? And yet so moved with compassion. Because of the, what Jesus has done for him, the gospel it changes us. You know, one minute this, this tough guy jailer, he's he's putting them in stocks. You know, he's he, he's rough handling rough handling them. You know, as, as uh, prisoners. The next minute, he's bathing their wounds and serving up a meal. The gospel it changes us from the inside out. It's not behaviour modification. It's not you know, uh, well if I do this, I'll be accepted. There's not a bar you have to kind of live up to. Well, if I, if I, if I, if I look like I'm a good person on the outside and, and, I, and I do this and I do that and I give to the poor and I come along on Sundays and I, I kind of measure up, the very fact is we've all fallen short. The Bible teaches we've all sinned and fallen short. None of us measure up and we all need saving. But when we, when we come to know Jesus, when we, like we've heard about this morning, when we, when we come to faith, when we come to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, that, that he died and rose for me and he loves me, it says that it gives us a new heart, a new heart with, with new desires. And these folk, Morris and, and Manda, who got baptised this morning, they're not perfect now, just like the rest of us. Okay, if you're thinking, uh, sorry to disappoint, if you're thinking they're going to be perfect now, they're just like you and me if, who follow and follow Jesus. They're being made perfect, right? We're all, if those who know Jesus are being made perfect. But but until that day when we go to be with Him, we're still imperfect. We're still going to get annoyed like Apostle Paul did, right? We're still going to get annoyed. But we're in Christ. We're in Christ. Those who know and follow Jesus believe in what Jesus has done on our behalf. We're in Christ. And by his grace, we're being changed to be more like Jesus. You might not be a believer. You might be far away from, from Christ this morning, but... I want to say, you're not, far, you're not too far from help. We were all far from God. We all were, but none of us are too far from God. Paul, who, who uh, you know, features heavily in the, in, the, in, the, well, in the New Testament, but in the book of Acts, and he went around killing Christians. So if you, can th- if you, if you think you're, you're far beyond rescue, oh, look what, you don't know what I've done, you don't know my life, you don't know my heart, you don't know the mess, <laughs> you're in good company. Paul went around persecuting and killing Christians. He can change you. can change me. This is the God of the Bible. It's because of his love for them. You see these, these three very different people. Lydia, the rich businesswoman, the slave girl, sold into slavery, clearly troubled as well. The jailer, he loved them. Jesus loved them. That's why he willingly went to die on the cross for them, to rescue them, and once you know this, nothing else, will, nothing else will ever be enough. I think Amanda touched on it, about, about searching for something. We're all made in the image of God. We're all made, we're all designed to worship and follow Jesus. And when we don't, we end up just searching it for in other places. In, relation, in human relationships, or in, uh, in career, in, in wealth, in, in, in other things. Nothing else will satisfy Look at the power as well. We look at the, the power to change lives. Three lives changed by the gospel in this, in this account. Three lives radically changed. He has the power to change lives and change circumstances. Paul, Paul and Silas, they were in prison, right? Earthquake, prison doors fly open, they're free. It's a, it's a picture of us, this, this, this scripture of them being broken out of prison. Once we were all captive to sin. We were all captives, unable to free ourselves, unable to to break free the the nature of the human condition. And then Jesus, he came to earth, died on the cross, lived a perfect life because he loves you, because he loves you and he loves me. That we might be broken out of captivity, we might be set free, not some escape from prison where the, the authorities are still after us, but free, you're free, free. Free now go. Well, actually, it's free now. Come, free now. Now come. Jesus says, "You're free. I've died on your behalf. Now come. You're free to go. I'm not still after you. It's not just free. Quick run. It's oh, free. Come to me. The penalty has been paid by Jesus." And so, really, this morning, I want to just just summarise the gospel. It can reach anyone. It can reach the wealthy elite like Lydia. It can reach the poor, exploited girl, let down by her parents, let down by society really can reach the tough guy jailer and it can reach you and me and the question to you this morning is will you let it will you let it, the requirement as we read back in uh, the early part of this chapter is to believe in Jesus to believe in the person and work of Jesus he's done the rest will you let him Shall we stand? Joe, could you come back up? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and lead into communion now.